All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Tony Cacchetti, a singer-songwriter based out of Minnesota. He comes from a family of musical farmers. Now, what that means, you're going to have to hear Tony explain. But his backstory is pretty wild. Tony has a new album out. It's called Freer Street. This is the second record of his solo career. And it's some real deal stuff. It's based around his family and his grandpa growing up on Freer Street. And the songs are all fairly adjacent to that tale. Um, we're going to listen to a tune off that record. This is I Never Knew off Freer Street by Tony Cacchetti. Way past closing time, the ball mates Counting out the tips that she had made Waiting on the last two fellas to leave She overheard them saying that they respectively lost a son and dad And hoped that someday fate might let her meet She said, hey there boys, these next two beers are both on me Here's a couple of shots, a heartbreak to ease the pain. If there's one regret I could forget, I wish I'd never known how two strangers shared along each one had. For a son to share a drink with his old man. Swirl the glass and started telling about the woman he took for granted. How she bore a son he'd never known. How laying there in the dead of night, he'd think on it and begin to cry. Wondering if he'd ever fill that void. He said, hey there, boy, you remind me of who I used to be. Back in the days Wayland and Willie Rain. If there's one regret I could forget, I've been so alone. And there's one more thing I wish I could have done. Wish I could have shared a drink with my son. Started for the door, he turned back 
to live once more But all he saw were the empty glasses there He said that old man seemed strangely familiar to me Oh hell, wishful thinking never made my wish come true If there's one regret I could forget I Never Knew, off the album Freer Street, Tony Conchetti, available now on all streaming platforms. Before we get to the conversation, if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and any of the podcast platforms, it really helps me keep talking to cool guests and then sharing their inspiration with you. So without further ado, this is my chat with Tony. So to kind of jump into it, um, Freer Street, um, family-wise, that's where your grandpa or who, who lived on Freer Street? Yep, that was my grandfather's house. Uh, he on my dad's side, my uh, my dad's father, and uh, he. Uh, it was a, it's a street in Detroit, and I you know I had really fond memories of of it. My grandfather lived. I don't know. I think my dad was three when they bought it, so he had it you know till his death, and he was in his nineties when he died. So it was like a you know we we had a lot of good memories in that house, and uh, and I had that picture. Um, uh, for the longest time and just, it was, you know, in the family and I had, I always loved it. And I, I said, man, you know, this would be such a cool, you know, like something to put on a album cover or a book or something, you know? And yeah. so for years, I, I just skirted around it. And then finally with this one, I don't know, just the vibe of the, of the whole, of the music and everything. I was like, man, this seems like the one that, and I, I honestly didn't have the, um, uh, the title right away and i i was doing the artwork for uh the, the album and uh you know looking at the picture and i'm like going through these titles that i thought you know old sayings he had and stuff and then i was like man i said you know why not just call it free because it, it so it was cool it fit perfect and it was kind of like vague enough to where the average person who didn't know you know the connection would would still think you know understand oh it's just the name of a street you know but it's cool how it connected you know and the the backside art, you know, is, is actually, I had a friend of mine or a family member that still lives in, uh, in Detroit. Cause that's where all my family's from. And, um, I, I said, can you go down there, you know, to the, the old house and shoot me a, shoot me a picture of, I wanted, you know, to get the street sign and everything. And he did. And so that was where that came from. And it's actually my grandpa's, you know, you can see kind of his house in the back there and the, and the cross street sign. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, do you ever go to like um like those like Goodwill or like Savers or any of those places and they have like old yearbooks and like just weird stuff that like who would buy this but like totally. you could tell it's like belongs to a family and you flip through it and you see like just these pictures of this whole other time you know 
Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. Like at antique stores, because it's just, it's fascinating to think like this was someone else's whole other life and exist, you know, and it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's such a trip. And like, it, 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 especially when you go really far back and you're like, oh, that's what these kids did. Like, look, they had a rocket club. What? You know, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. It's totally cool because you see just a whole nother, like you said, a whole nother time, you know, period. Yeah. And it's like, has it even trying to like do like little writing exercises and just trying to step into these, which is weird. It's weird. It's weird to do that because it's like, this is someone's life, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, um, looking at that picture you used for the album cover, I'm like, this could work for like anything. This could be like a big band record. This could be like a country record. This could be totally, a, you know what I mean? Because he's just sitting there and like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It just had it just had all those elements of you. It it really like kind of. I've had people say I've just stared at it like because it does that thing where you're just like, what is this? Who is this guy? What is he? What is he looking at? What is he thinking? You know? And it's like if you don't even it's it's even cooler almost if you don't know. You know, like I could see just the average person looking at it. And I think that was one of the things that intrigued me that might happen, you know, with it, that someone was just going to, as they're sitting there listening, it's something you could just sit there literally and look at the picture and kind of, you know, make your own story in your head based around that, you know. So that was that was a really, uh, uh, you know, cool concept to, for me to use it. And I think you, you do that musically too. Like I think it really hitting home on a lot of points, but also it seems like, far enough back that if you didn't read the the liner notes or if you didn't know what was going on you can still relate to the material of each tune without having to have been through um that upbringing or that adjacent upbringing you know what i mean yep and like because i know i know it's a lot of these tunes are not directly written about or from but kind of adjacent right right yeah that's it's a majority i'd say there's that i'm trying to think if there's um uh there's uh just one actually on there that's that's uh really personal it's you know that one that hey brother that was you know written about my my older brother who's who struggles you know with addiction and all that and has for years and still does and um but it's like the other ones usually i was just doing an interview the other day where it's kind of like that's as like the kind of writer i am where i'm I'm a big like observer. I, I find myself doing that just naturally. I, you know, things I read or see or, or any, any of the senses. And I kind of log all that stuff and I put it, it comes out in my, in my music at some time where I create these, you know, stories based around a thing, like with things that have happened to me, but also kind of like connecting things that I feel, you know, could happen or probably did to other people. And, and so a lot of the tunes, um on the on the album you know came from that kind of place yeah that's it, like cuz i've been i've been working on like um trying different modes of songwriting for myself and like uh really trying to dive into like descriptive writing and taking like the the maj page of that and like pizza it into a narrative and it sounds like that's it sounds like that's what you do all the time is it it like, is so like and this is something new to me. It's always been like for me, I've, it's uh, trying to like grasp onto the the story as it's coming. Never just writing mm -hmm. stuff out. Is that like what's kind of your? I mean, there's an endless question, endless answers for the process question, and I'm sure you've answered <laughs> it a lot. But like, yeah. is it like are you are you writing these narratives as they happen, then placing them in the music, or is it a hodgepodge of thoughts that piece out a narrative, or 
what's it kind of look like? Because I know it's never the same every time. Yeah, you know, I, I started kind of when I was starting to mess with writing. I did the the old the kind of the cliche thing of trying to, you know, sit down and, and, and I you know, you read the books and you, you, <laughs> you read about other writers and you're trying to like, okay, I'm going to set, you know, from 9 a.m. to noon, you know, that's going to be like my job, like an office, you know, and I'm and it and it just I tried it and I really respect that um, that discipline because I know a lot of uh, colleagues that do that and it works for them. But for me, it just never seemed to to uh, to stick. And because I'm so I'm such more of a person that um, <clears throat> kind of is on the spur of the moment and the older that I, and the more into it I got, like I just stopped fighting it, you know, and I said, you're this kind of writer, you're a writer that it, when it, when inspiration comes, like, that's when I'll, when I'll bear down and dig in and like, let it happen. But I've, I've, I find myself when I try to force it, you know, or, or say, okay, I'm going to, I have these lyrics, I'm going to, I'm going to put them in the music, you know? And, and so now I'm kind of, and it always just comes out to where it's things that I don't like, or I'm like, I never would want to put that out. Cause I can totally hear that it's forced. And I know that other people will. And that's the last thing I want, you know, cause when I'm listening, to some of my favorite writers it's it's that genuineness that gets me like the the stories and the whether it be about them or not you know you just can feel and hear that genuineness in their in their writing and that's what draws you in so that's what I think kind of as a writer I become so you know I'll sometimes have you know riffs or or even full chord progressions that I've recorded you know months prior and just be like you know what this might come up somewhere down the line and then I'll sit down and like with this album, you know, I sat down and just went literally through hundreds of, of stuff that I little snippets that I had recorded. And, and, um, then, then I kind of, Oh yeah. I remember when I was jotting down that poetry, you know, last hour that this might work with that. And then I piece it together, you know, like you said, you just kind of, yeah, but I, I've, I've really learned, um, not to force things. And that's been huge for me to just kind of, let that go that idea of like you need to do this you know this way because it's, it never really comes out genuine in my ears anyway it's interesting like with with a genuine like sounding lyric is it is the forceness like the the like hard rhyme you know what i mean like when what do you i guess like my question is what do you kind of not to call anyone out or anything but what do you notice is like a forced lyric for yourself for, for me, like, yeah. um, I, I feel more like it's, um, I don't know, that's, that's a tough one, but I feel like it doesn't really have to be this, you know, uh, really deep, amazing, poetic, you know, uh, words that you can't understand kind of, or even I've, I've seen some writers that get like super weird where they, you can tell they're almost like trying to make it <laughs> you know, sound more intense than it needs to be. And then, but then you get guys like that. I love, you know, Christofferson and Guy Clark and all them towns, Van Zandt, they were so deep and poetic, but also very like common man, the way that they said it, you know, so anybody li literally sitting there at a bar or whatever could relate to <laughs> what they were talking about, but it was still beautifully poetic. And I think when I hear somebody just phoning it in, as I put it, like, you know, where they, you can tell they just, you know, kind of took a thesaurus out and not that there's anything wrong with, with that kind of thing, but you know what I mean? You can yeah. kind of hear when someone's just forcing it or pushing it versus when it's coming from somebody's 
deep, you know, deep down somewhere and you're just like, damn, like, you know, and, and it, and I've heard tunes that maybe I really wouldn't have like that. I wouldn't listen to on a regular basis, you know, but, but I really, when I'm hooked on a, on a melody line or like a lyric that way, it's like, man, this person really put a lot into this. It wasn't, they didn't just phone it in and it wasn't just like, all right, well, I'll rhyme this with that. And you know, this is what people, I guess it's like that thing of thinking this is what people are going to want to hear versus what you want to say sincerely and, and you just with, you know, you don't hold back and you just let it go. I think that's well said. I think, I think, I think like it's maybe, maybe the, cause no one's going to be like, Oh, I had an arduous truck down the dirt road, you know, <laughs> like, right, 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 right. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, but maybe, maybe it's like kind of the conversational tone. Is right. when, I'm, when I'm hearing, okay, that's cool. That's I think, and I think that's really sound advice, you know, because like a lot of a lot of when you spend all that time kind of writing, you get in that kind of trope of like using words like trope, you know, <laughs> like, right, 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 exactly. And 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 I love read. I mean, I love using you know vocabulary that way. And it's but you like you said, and it's it's funny when you're when you're writing a song, it's almost like I think the ones that people can relate to the most are the ones that it's like someone that they'd be talking to down on the street, you know, that they ran into it. Like you said, it's not going to be somebody, unless you, you know, run into some <laughs> Oxford scholar that, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. So, but also as a writer, you're like, you want to use like, you're like, I want to hang out with the poet guys. I want them to yeah. think I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for but sure. then that I get it now because then that's the forcedness. That's that force of trying to hit that certain audience. That makes sense, right? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> um, you know Van Zant's pretty out there, but he doesn't. He is, yeah, common. and he and he's very dark, and he's very you know. It's like, but you can really just you can feel that it was from a place that he was experiencing something, you know. And you're just like, man, this this cat was. <laughs> He was tortured, but you know, he also he also needed to get it out and didn't hold anything back. And I think that's what I've always told like younger songwriters or people that have asked for my opinion. And you know, I'm just like the thing that I've learned most is just not to, because music or anything is just like you you don't own it. You know, you're just you're just riding along and you're like a, a vessel. And if you if you try to fight it, it's not going to work. It never works. And but when you when something comes to you and you just go with where it wants to go instead of where you think it needs to, that's when usually the the magic happens. You know, in my opinion. That's you know, I read I read you I read that somewhere in another interview you said, and I wanted to ask you about that. Like when you're kind of riding this wave, is it like where the narrative shows itself it wants to go, where you're like, oh, this guy can only make this choice, or is it musically like it has to resolve here, or is that kind of the combination of both? I'd say it's a combination of both and I've written things where I thought, okay, this is, this is where it needs to be, you know, and then I'll, then I'll walk away from it, which is usually my MO with, with all my writing is I'll, I'll never, you know, be done like right away. You know, I'm like, I'll walk away, whether it be for a few days or weeks and I'll come back and listen fresh. And I'm like, you know what, that when you thought that worked at the time, you know, it, it just it it doesn't later and you're like you know no that's not where that wanted and then all of a sudden like i said when you just when you just let that let it happen how it wants to happen and it's then you're it the the light bulb clicks and you're like 
okay, that's where I wanted to be, you know. <laughs> I think that's really sound advice too. Like yeah. stepping away and coming back to it because you get you get in that inspirato loop and like I got I got to cap it. I got to get to a bridge. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that can that can also, you know, if you if you let it, it can also um bite you in the in the ass, you know, cuz you're like you if you let things linger you you never can like resolve you know you're like oh man and you're, you're just you just keep going should i change this should i change that and and in writing in the few sessions i've done with other co you know uh writer friends of mine that i really admire like that's been a huge thing that like one guy he's just like you gotta let it go man you know it's <laughs> it's good it's you know it's like that's where it needs to be and, and then and then you get the idea of like I can play this song live for the rest of my life and I can do it. I could change the tempo. I could change the feel, you know? So yeah. that's the beauty of it. You're what you're going to lay down is just that moment in time. You know, my dad always told me that he's a jazz trumpet player. And he said, you know, that the old jazz guys, like a lot of them didn't even want to be recorded because they were afraid. I don't want that because it's such a, a style of music where they didn't want that one moment to be captured that one solo you know but thank god they did though because i mean you know who, with miles and all those guys but i understand that mentality of this is what's going to be you know listen to this recording and the way we did it you know this way well but then like i said if you that's another going back to that thing of letting it go and it's it's not yours anymore you don't own it you know it's like the world's now and the universe or however you want to look at it yeah you know it's interesting because like like with dylan you really see like that that song morph morphing into whatever it happens to be in that moment and like like especially dylan now like you'll go there and you're like wait this is this is tangled oh it, it is tangled up in blue you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. because it's 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 that jazz mentality and that's kind of how i've always take taken away that performance some people are like it doesn't sound like the record but yeah. I think the point your dad brings up is very true. They're all just moments. And, yeah. like, um, I wanted to ask about kind of, like, speaking of, well, who is the guy you were writing with that gave you that advice of just kind of letting it be? Uh, that was uh, Eric Koskinen. He okay. he was, we, we co-wrote uh, a few songs on this album, and, uh, and, and he produced it. And when we were in the early stages of pre-production, you know, he was <clears throat> really the only guy that, other than my other buddy Nate Walker, he he wrote co-wrote one of the songs on there with me, but um that Heartbreak Town song. But Eric, um, he was one of the only guys or the only guy that heard any of this stuff because one of the things I wanted was for all the musicians to not hear it until we got in the studio. Oh, wow. And and I I wanted their their first reaction, their raw, like without having to sit with the song and you know, going back and forth in their own minds of that thing of fighting something that, and that's what we got. You know, we, we only cut like a few takes of each um, track and usually we're keeping the first one because it was just like, you know, we would rehearse the, I would show them the tune. They'd start adding stuff in and within, you know, like a half hour, we were like, all right, hit record and, and let's go with it. You know, And so, but Eric was, he was really influential in that. He's very of that same mindset. And um, he, he was the one that, you know, because I was always, I, I was being really indecisive in the early, because I wanted this album to be so, you know, personal and like, um, and raw and real. And he kept coming back to me like, man, you were the one that said, you know, you wanted this raw and stuff like, you got to let this go. It's, you know, it's, it's fine. It's great. It's going to be what it is. And that's exactly how it turned out, and I'm really happy that I had somebody like him to 
kind of steer the ship, you know, so to speak. It definitely does take kind of someone outside of the perspective to kind of maintain the the GPS route of what you your your you know your goal that you had. <laughs> like totally, because when it's so personal to you too, you, you you know it's it's such a vulnerable thing to be like, okay, is this really what I, am I ready to let this out? You know, let this go the way it is. And, and there's always people that see it from a whole different light than you do, and there it's good to have their their advice. You know, one person I wanted to ask about was Tim Probes. You said uh, in another interview that he was a big impact on your early writing um and you recorded one of his tunes on this record yep yeah so timmy he was he was with uh came up with my older brothers who are oh they're probably like 15 16 years older than me i come from a real big family but uh both music my brothers every all my siblings are musicians but uh they were in bands together you know um and and timmy was a great writer he he did the whole nashville thing you know went out there tried to this was probably in the i'm gonna say the you know 80s kind of era um and and he uh he got real close you know with a few times and, and it just the nashville machine just you know ate him up and he came back to to florida where, where we all were living and uh and he um yeah he just always battled with that and then and then sadly you know um he lost his life to um he had a, some ailment and I can't remember exactly what it was in his stomach and it kind of got to him. I don't know if it was cancer, but anyway, he was super in because I remember hanging around as a little kid, you know, in their rehearsals and, you know, I would see them gig and stuff and he would always be like, yeah, man, you because I had always told him like, I want to write songs, you know, and he goes, do it, you know, do. And he would give me great advice and he always would say, yeah, if there's any of my tunes, you know, that you want to, you know, rework or, and he goes, put, you know, put on any records one day, you know, he's like, be my, be my guest, you know? So ironically when he, um, his bass player, Justin, um, sent me when I was getting music together, just out of the blue, Justin wrote me and he's like, man, he's like, uh, if you need any inspiration, you know, I got all of Timmy's catalogs. And I was like, Oh, really? I said, send me some of that stuff. And lo and behold, that convinced my heart was on one of the, the, uh, the early demos. And, I remember it, it, you know, it brought back a lot of memories because I remember it as a kid. And I, and so I was like, oh man, this, and I started messing around with it, changed a few lyrics and like kind of the arrangement a little bit. Um, and, and we started playing it live um, with the band uh, out. This was way before I was getting the stuff together for the album and, uh, and, and people were just totally grooving on it and coming up asking like is that one of yours you know so i was like when the time came i said we gotta it was sounding so good live i said we gotta cut this one and and so that's how that all came to be and it was it's such it's so awesome because his him's two daughters uh, who are friends of mine that they're around my age they live in florida still and they're just over the moon because it's like you know bringing their dad's spirit back yeah. and, and so it's that was really cool how that all worked out that's beautiful that's and yeah. that's really cool to like it's it's the ca- and it unintentionally or, or completely intentionally with the whole memory and personal connection with this record, that's interesting, like, being able to cover someone's music that you kind of grew adjacent, adjacent to. Right. That's, that's really profound. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was some of the writing advice he would give you as a kid? <laughs> like. Yeah, he was just, you know, he was such a, he was kind of a good old boy, you know, kind of dude, and um, he just... 
he was just like, man, you know, a lot of the stuff I just explained, he was, he was one of, I think the early pioneers of putting that in my mind of just, you know, to be real and don't, you know, don't, don't try to write for other people, write for yourself and just don't be afraid to put out, you know, what you, what you have inside of you, whether you think it's, you know, good or bad or whatever. And I really carried that into when I started getting more serious into writing and it was just like, you know, listening to his, um, his phrasing and the way he used, you know, words, cause he was probably pretty much more straight up country. Like, and, uh, it was, just, I always loved how he was, you know, simplify everything, but it still was, it was still profound what he was saying, but it was just a, you know, a common man could, could relate to it, you know? And so I really loved that he had that kind of artistic ability to do that. Cause it's not easy. You know, if you think, if you try to do that, it's, it's really not, people think it's super easy to do, but it isn't, you know, it's like yeah. to say that in that way is a very uh, poetic, uh, uh, talent, you know, it's like trying to write a Hank Williams tune. You know what I mean? Right. It sounds right. simple, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, good looking, but it's yeah. not, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's... That's, because that's why everybody can't do it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, that's 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 really sound advice, especially to be growing up around it. And one thing, I, diving into like trying to understand your history, like I, your family was a touring act, and like I couldn't find like a name of the touring act, and like uh, how like can you explain that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a really um, it's a really amazing story for for you know way to grow up. I mean, I, so my like I said, my parents. Um, they're they were they're musicians you know um professional musicians and they have been their whole life and uh, my dad you know was a jazz like i said we're from detroit he he was a session player on motown for a lot of years and he did a lot of stuff in the jazz scene he was band leader for a lot of the big bands back then in the 50s and 60s and stuff and he my mother was an opera singer and um they met at a uh, a music school actually where they were they're finishing their it was one of those kind of like high schools that was a, I don't know, what would you call that? Like an arts kind of school, you know, and they, they met and started and got married and um, eventually started having kids. And they, uh, my dad had the idea he wanted to start a, you know, like a family farm, you know, kind of thing, but in music. And so uh, them being both teachers and stuff, they took, you know, my older siblings out of regular school and they, and they were teaching them on the road and they, they bought a bus and, and, and worked out a bunch of a uh, number, you know, that was in that era in the, in the late sixties, early seventies where that kind of Jackson five Osmond, you know, Partridge family thing was happening with the choreography and costumes. And so they did that. They jumped in headlong and um, we were, yeah. And then, so I was kind of born into that in the, you know, the mid seventies and they were still going strong. And, um, so that was how I grew up probably the first, I'd say nine, 10 years of my life, just on the road, 11 months out of the year. And, you know, my parents, like I said, taught us, um, through the, uh, you know, like homeschooling basically. And, um, yeah, we were just sent fairs and malls and we did Vegas a lot. And it was, it was like a pretty, pretty cool way to grow up. I mean, I, as a kid, it was awesome because you're in a different city all the time and meeting all these cool, you know, stars and people and stuff. And you're, you're just like, you know, it's, it's just like a big, like a fun time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that was, that was, uh, how that all came to be. And, um, 
What'd you guys? Sorry, what'd you guys go as? What was the name? We so we went. My dad chose uh, the Conti family. It was C O N T I, and it was just um, I my Italian is rough, but I think it's it's Conti has references to singing or dancing in in the Italian language. Um, but he he wanted to use that because it was easy to spell and like say you know, and it was kind of like a a a good handle for for the uh, the stage name, and so it was you know, the Conti family or the fabulous Conti family, you can still find a few things online um, because it, you know, obviously wasn't a thing, the internet and all that, but he, I've seen people like old record collectors put some of our yeah. <laughs> albums on there. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You can find it. And some of them have me, you know, on the little two year old, you know, Tony sitting on the bongo drum in the, in the photo, you know, <laughs> the album cover. so, but it was, um, yeah, that was such an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, so after we got off the road and I think it was like 80 or 85, like I, you know, everybody kind of kept with music in some form. And then my parents, you know, went back into teaching music in the local schools and opened up their own music school, which they still have in in Florida. Um, and a lot of my siblings teach there. So, so what do you know the initial inspiration for that was like, like for your dad wanting to do this was it like that sounds fun or i think we could pull this off we know enough of uh, enough music to make this like kind of pop act work was it pop music Uh, yeah i think it well it was like a variety act because those were big where you had like different themes throughout the show you know like 50s or vaudeville or you know that kind of thing and uh so they would my you know my older siblings they had you know full choreography um uh, coaches and stuff and they had you know they were on the front line with the you know the dancing and all that and it was like it was intense my dad if you know him he's a very uh intense uh perfection driven you know yeah. <laughs> individual and I think that was that was his you know he he just because both my parents you know just were totally into music and love it and he I think it was just like a no-brainer of okay well let's let's give this a shot you know and see because he, you know, being that kind of, of person, and I think that's where the insp- I've never really asked them. Actually, I should. What was your, <laughs> what was your goal? You know, it might be way simpler than that. But I would feel, just knowing him the way I do, like it's it was very much about, you know, achieving greatness with, with uh, the talent. You know that 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 he and my mom had, and seeing you know passing it on to the kids. So that's. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool, man. That's yeah. a really cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, like, just kind of being thrown into it, like, in getting up on stage and making show from the rip, like, the, is that kind of why uh, there's a group you and your sister do called the Afterwards, right? The Afterwhile. Yeah. The Afterwhile. <laughs> is yeah. that after that? Was that the kind of name of that, or what was it like? Was that no, so that came about, um, that came, uh, that came from, uh, we, I'm trying to think, let me go back in time here. So my, my story is a, is a, is a strange and unique one after, without getting too uh, off subject, like after we, we left, um, like I said, we stopped, I, I, with the family group, I went into kind of normal school and I, uh, you know, I actually fell really in love with, um with baseball and my dad, you know, saw that I was really into it, put me into the local little leagues. And, um, I just fell head over heels with it and kind of took that path, you know, still stuck with music here and there, but 
just totally went into that. It paid for it paid for college, and then I I did two seasons in the minor leagues. I was a wow. pitcher, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and so I I really um it was something I I loved and and still do you know to this day. But um so it was more after that that stopped and uh, what was that like ninety nine two thousand? And I had been doing kind of like I said keeping with music and songwriting and stuff in that time, but I never was performing obviously, and then. When I stopped that, that was around the time that um, my sister Gina and I got together and started doing a duo. And then our brother Chris, our older brother Chris, who plays drums, um, and then we kind of formed that After a While band and um, and really started doing all that. So it was kind of in the early 2000s, I'd say, that, or probably mid, you know, because I had a couple other bands with some buddies before that. Um, the After a While thing really took off, so... Was there like a jumping from like at performing as a kid? Were you singing and playing, or what were you like? What was the kind of the M? Were you doing percussion? Like what was? As yeah, a, well, well, as a kid, yeah, yeah, it was funny because we were. I was more, I'd say, like, um, you know, in the show. I definitely, as I got probably more in my seven, eight year old um, age, I definitely was in the in the acts and in some form like mostly dancing singing i wasn't really playing any instruments but i was out on stage and i remember you know having to rehearse and do all the <laughs> do all the moves you know and stuff and yeah. uh so uh yeah but it was more like when i was real little you know i think it was more like you know all right we got the the newest member on stage kind of the cuteness factor you know yeah <laughs> but, but you were soaking it all in you know you yeah. were getting that so yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because my uh, my own boys, I have two two younger boys, and and my the older one of of uh, of the two, he's already he's gonna be twelve, and he's already kind of like falling head over heels into it. He's he's doing his own gigs, you know, on the yeah. street corners oh. and busking. <laughs> yeah, so he's you know it's like just I think organically kind of passing along but i remember that as a kid like getting bit by that bug you know of like feeling the crowd reaction and i think that's kind of <laughs> just how it all be how it all started that's a, and i feel like if you grow up around it it's just a thing everyone does you know it is it's like people say you know i because there where i live in minnesota there's a, obviously a lot of farming and stuff and so i kind of use that analogy as it's like the old farm families that had, you know, lots of kids and the, all the kids just stayed on the farm and worked it, you know, that was kind of what we were just in, in musical terms, you know, just everybody pitched in and we all did the thing to make the the whole gig work, you know, so. Because it's, it's interesting, it's like kind of on the concept of putting like a tune back down for a bit and then coming back to it. It's like diving into baseball was like that whole maybe uh, experience for you musically. <laughs> totally. I think it was, and it, it really gave me, you know, I always, you you do that. Everybody does that thing in their life where they're like, oh, I wish I would have, you know, yeah. done this sooner or whatever. But the older I get, the the more, you know, hopefully wisdom comes to you. And it has to me where in the fact of like you were in the place you were supposed to be and you don't know how, you know, at the time you feel like what did baseball do for you know i could have used all that time to you know really become you know more masterful in my music you know and all this but then at the same time you're like maybe those experiences were you know totally shaping what you are right now and what you're becoming you know so if you look at it in those terms it's it's uh it's a lot more freeing you know yeah and i think like 
a sport like that has like a discipline factor that factors into like your headspace of writing and just even like it's a bad day you know you, you sometimes you play bad and you, hopefully the team yeah. picks it up you know what i mean like there's like certain like kind of like mindsets that you get through something like that that i think apply to it oh totally i mean the because at the higher levels of sports you know i'm sure as you know like it becomes more like mil- military you know kind of yeah. discipline and, and training and we i i totally use all that stuff just subconsciously i think now and in, in everything i do but a lot in music too where i you'll feel like, oh, I don't feel like doing this today or this gig. And then you're like, ah, you know, let's pick it up. You hear your coaches screaming in the <laughs> inside your head somewhere. Like, don't stop running, you know? <laughs> so that's, what was it? Um, so another question I wanted to get into was with the last record you did, um, on the, on the slide, I'm free. I'm blanking. Yeah. The yeah. Name it right was now. a hit it, hit, hit it on, on the slide. Yeah. On the slide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are all based off artwork. Uh, a lot of them were, yeah, a lot of them were because I did uh, just, I think, a few months probably prior to that, I got a grant through the Minnesota Arts, and um, the project I presented to get the grant was that I was going to um, put an artist call out, as they call, for all different sorts of media. Um, uh, my wife was working for the uh, the arts uh, department or um, organization in our town in Minnesota at the time, and so she kind of had access to putting out a a call, so to say, to all these local artists, Minnesota artists, through any format other than probably, you know, obviously music. But I was looking for, you know, painting, pottery, pottery all that stuff. And so I got probably, geez, like I'd say over 200 submissions. And I, the thing that I wanted was... I was going to knock it down to 12. I didn't want to know the title of the piece. Didn't want to know the artist. I just wanted to see the image, uh, you know, whatever that was. And and then I was going to come down to 12 and, and then write, you know, songs based off of, of whatever the said, you know, artwork was. And um, it was a, it was a dawning process because there were so many good ones, but then it went back to that same thing of me walking away from, I would look at a batch, you know, let them let them sit for a while and then come back to it and then finally after a, a couple months i narrowed it down and to 12 and then i went into the process of of writing you know uh based off the the image alone and a lot of those tunes i'd say i'd say other than well i had one cover song on there it was an old uh john Waite song from the 80s so that missing you but all the other ones were um were based off of the the photos and yeah and i did a you had to like do a thing at the end of the grant process where you had to do a show, like a small show. And um, we did that and all the artists were there and it was amazing because that was the first time I was meeting a lot of them and, and finding out the, the titles of the, the pieces. And, <laughs> and a lot of them ironically really like one in particular um, was uh, that song St. Denis and uh, the artist, it was a kind of a picture of a, it looked like Montreal to me because I spent a lot of time there and it's, it's a great city uh, by the way for music and everything. But I, it looked like an old kind of French cafe looking street. And I said, man, that looks just like the street I used to hang out on called St. Denis, you know? And I, so I wrote kind of the song based around that. And then when I met the, the artist, Katie noon, she, you know, I said, it, I don't think the, the title was that, but I said, where did, you know, what was this? You know, she goes, I think, uh, yeah, she goes, 
I think I got this image in, uh, I think it was in Montreal somewhere or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was yeah. like, so it was one of those things where it's just everything lines up and you didn't even know. And it was beautiful how that, how art came together and created, you know, something different. So that'd be really cool. Have you, like, I mean, we talked a little bit about how, like, kind of inspiration comes from all around and, like, but to have it that focused on, on one thing, you know, what I mean, that almost becomes like that structured, like, routine type of writing practice um but to do it specifically with paintings had to be really cool because they can be kind of like everywhere or maybe very challenging i don't you know what i mean like yeah because it's what, did you find that process more challenging or more like liberating i think at first it was very challenging because i was i was totally going against that um thing i just talked about of of letting something just happen organically. And I was trying my hardest to be like, I need to write this song to impress this artist or, you know, or the, or it needs to look like this because it had this certain thing in the, in the picture, or it has to, you know, have, I have to have a lyric based off of whatever, you know, the, <laughs> the road sign that I see painted in there. And then, it, but then you, you're like, wait a minute, you're doing everything <laughs> uh, different than what you're, you know than what your normal practice is so in that respect once i let that go it was very freeing and i was just like writing based off of what was coming to me through the the picture i remember literally staring at some of them for like an hour straight without even picking up a pen and just like and just letting it like talk to you and it almost became a thing where you looked at it too long and stuff was <laughs> starting to like move in it you know and stuff and <laughs> You're like, you're like, okay, now's the time to, to, to let this happen. And, and, and a lot of it, that's, it was so freeing when I finally did that and just kind of let the, the pieces go where they wanted to go versus where I thought they needed to go. That's, that's really inspiring. Cause like I've been, I work in an art gallery and I'm around this stuff all the time and I've tried doing bits like that, you know? Yeah. And like get, get to that point where you're, you're kind of forcing something, but trying to find that liberation point for myself writing wise so it's inspiring to hear your process with this um yeah so you you should definitely i i still do it now like just as a as a a workout you know so to speak because i'll even if it's something that you're sitting there and, and even if one word or phrase or a um um you know a melody gets you hum or like it that that could become something later that you're not you don't even know is 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 going to happen you know or it, like you take that bit with something else that you see you know 12 months or you know six months later and you're like oh man that works really well with that and so you you never can discredit what inspiration is coming to you because even though you might not have a finished product at the time i feel like it's always going to come back around somewhere and, and fit with something that because those kind of things there's really no time limit on it right it's it's like you can't you don't know the you know it's like anything in nature like it's they, they're not on a clock you know it's just happening so i think that's really well said yeah <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> yeah um another to kind of jump back i have a few more questions for you tony i really appreciate your time oh i love it it's a great interview you're a great great interview uh, how would you say that interviewer yeah and i'm the interviewee oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks man I, but i've been i've been wrapping my head around songwriting just like how you're saying you dive into the books and like 
and then you do the practice for a bit. You start getting some nibbles. You find your own thing. And then there's another book that's uh, like, and yeah. you, you know what I mean. You listen, I, but it, that kind of like more pause of like that everyone doing their own thing is also inspiring because like you try a bit of this thing and see if that sticks. Well, I really like that thing from um, Toonsmith, and I like that thing from <laughs> right. Exactly, I know what you're saying, and you get just obsessed with it. Believe me, I've I've been there. <laughs> yeah, and like. <laughs> As much like I don't know, it's like I I like I like that chase of these different inspirations and mindsets, and but I, I want I want to stay in the balance of being inspired and diving into those books, but not not writing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. You should, and you should you should give a little validity to all that because it's all gonna surface somewhere, is is my belief. You know, and but one thing, if I can give any advice, is like that I've really come to to be helpful is bouncing it off of other writers that you respect, like whether it be poet, it doesn't have to be musicians, you know, he's just like uh, my friend Eric that I was telling you about, his wife is a um, novel writer and she's like, she's, she's great. I mean, she's got a lot of stuff, you know, published and, and he, he says like, that's what he'll do. He'll, you know, when he's writing, he'll bounce it off her and she'll be like, well, why don't you try to, you know, say this this way or like use less consonants or use, you know, and, and he goes, it's really, so he was, he was helping me that way where I was, he goes, yeah, he goes, there's too much. You're trying to say too much, say it, you know, try to say it more simple. And when you do that, you're like, oh man, that, yeah, totally flows better that way. than you're trying to cram all these ands and ifs and does, you know, and, and yeah. like, you should see the, the papers from when I was, you know, <laughs> there was so much like, I trim so much fat on all these uh, these songs. It's incredible, but it's it's cool, yeah. But I I, I imagine that because you're you're trying to get a big point, right? And to mm -hmm, do that, you yeah. find these details because they say write what you know, and what you know is very specific, right? right? Everyone's is. So you have a description of I don't know your front porch or your mailbox, and like, and then you got to whittle that down to key things that musically fit within sixteenth notes, or you know what I mean, right, like exactly. or eighth notes more likely than not, and like yeah. But uh, so but th that that the buts and the ands and the ifs and the the trimming that's such a solid advice, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it is, and it's so hard to do. But it's like it's it's still I'm still like um, an infant when it comes to that because I do I tend to want to describe like really in detail, and then you're, but the space is the beauty, you know. Like if you listen to some of the great, you know, like instrumentalists you know that came before you know it's it's where they're not playing if that makes sense that made them so cool you know like hendrix and all those guys like they were taking one or two notes and just playing a whole you know 16 bar measure with two notes just the way they were you know bending it or like it was the it was the space in between that made it so beautiful that's true that's real miles yeah. davisy too <laughs> like right for sure <laughs> so it's a, on a side tangent your dad was a real he was a jazzer right yeah, he was, and he also played uh, classical too. He he played with the Detroit Symphony a lot, so he was just a student of. He he still is. I mean, he's like a walking encyclopedia of of theory and music, and he's he's one of my biggest uh, inspirations and heroes. He's like, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever achieve his level because he's put a lot of hours in it. But he's um, yeah, but jazz. He's a really really good jazz player and played with a lot of. Um, a lot of the greats you know coming up and yeah yeah that i mean it's interesting because like when you dive into that 
kind of orchestra instrument you have like the classical route that you can go the very structured and then the somewhat supposedly unstructured jazz which is pretty structured but you know what i mean like it's like that that duality of of both practices and that's interesting that like um it sounds like everyone in your family kind of and there's nine of you right yeah, there was okay. living. There was ten. My my one of my brothers uh, passed when he was born. We still count him Thomas, but he, uh, he yeah, nine of us a live on a living. Yeah, was it so the the have like you guys all dive in these uh, different routes and songwrite? You know what I mean? But still relative is really interesting for someone who like on the on the I, I don't know on the the side of freer street is jazz and on the the, the neighbor streets like <laughs> like for someone <laughs> yeah. who grew up on freer street found a lot of freedom musically right right yeah yeah even just within <laughs> the family yeah that's that's a good way to put it yeah for sure and my parents had a lot to do with that because they were they were very um uh, open-minded are very open-minded people and, and they i remember them even my dad as a kid like saying you know you got to follow what's you know what's in your heart and what where where you think you need to go don't you know you, you don't have to do exactly what i did or your mother did you know like do do your own thing make your own path and you but you can you totally can uh use all that stuff that you you know was inside of you to 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 help you along the way and i think that's what i've been trying to do and still i'm trying to do you know still trying to be on the freer street i get it yeah for <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> oh that's beautiful man well yeah tony thank you so much for this conversation and your time this was a pleasure and uh, oh, the new man. album's amazing Thank you. Thank you. I love it. And we, I, this was really one of my favorite uh, interviews. I'm not just, I don't just say that stuff to blow steam. It was, it was awesome. And I'm, so, I'm thinking like, had I not <laughs> looked at my phone, you know, five, I'm, I'm glad that happened, but there, there you go. One of the universe things, uh, they wanted it, it wanted it to happen. So it, it did. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, cool. If you're, are you coming to Cleveland anytime soon? I uh not anytime soon, but I, I would I would love to. I, I dig Cleveland. It reminds me of Detroit a lot. It's home, yeah. you know, it's like it has that same vibe. So I think with uh what we're the process right now is we're just kind of really hitting the the release hard and trying to get all that stuff together. And then I think the next phase, you know, John Richardson, the guy that owns uh, farm to label records that I'm on, he he's the next phase. He's we were just talking yesterday is he's already working with you know kind of managers and stuff to see if we can't get on some more proper like tours opening slots and stuff so i think a lot of that stuff is is coming up next you know and, and so hopefully that that uh that gets me on the road again and uh because that's where i that's where i uh, do the best because i've spent most of my life on the road yeah so. that makes sense yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, going I, home which is it is i feel the most comfortable in a bus on the road believe me it's it's like when i'm in one place too long i start getting a little antsy so yeah that's a, well that's a whole nother like side conversation <laughs> next, yeah, next album Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig at the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.